Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Welcome to Daddy vs. Doctor. Here are your hosts, pediatrician Dr. Scott Cohen and comedian Sebastian Maniscalco. All right, welcome to Daddy vs. Doctor. We haven't done this show in, I'm going to say, it's got to be over two months. Yeah, it's long overdue. Long overdue. Uh, I've been shooting a TV show. Dr. Scott obviously has been working at his uh, pediatric business. And I got questions. Uh, as a parent and i want to throw these out to you because your daughter daughters mm -hmm. are older yeah. obviously than my kids and i want to know how you deal with disappointment mm -hmm. uh when your kids get disappointed now give me an example uh seraphina auditioned for uh dorothy and uh i guess when they audition they pick three parts that they want to do okay she picked Dorothy, uh, the witch, and let's say the lion. But she really wanted Dorothy. So they all sing the same song, yeah. the Wizard of Oz song, and then from that song, they place the kids where they think they should go. Serafina got the witch. Okay. And great yeah, but she really wanted Dorothy. Right. So, you know, she was excited, the witch, but as the night waned, she started to get sad yeah. and said she really wanted Dorothy. Okay. Have your kids went through uh, disappointment in their life where they tried out for a team, didn't mm. make it, or they wanted a part, didn't get it? As a father, uh, how do you uh, tackle disappointment when your kids don't get something they want? No, it's definitely happened. I mean, I think we try to discuss like it's a growing it's a lesson, right? You try to do something, you're not going to always succeed the first time. You may not always get what you want, but that creates grit and drive and makes you want to work harder to get that next time. If everything was easy and you always got what you wanted, I think life actually would be harder because when you're finally disappointed, you wouldn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. But I often wonder, like when I hear you talk about that, because this just happened with my daughter also, uh, Lexi, who's 12, and she... Last year was Belle in Beauty and the Beast. And we didn't know that she has this phenomenal singing voice. And she actually, I, I think I told you, you know, she'd practice behind closed doors. We didn't even know she could sing. And and uh, then the first time we ever heard her sing was the opening night. And it was just amazing. And now she's a seventh grader in junior high. And she's a low woman on the totem pole at her new school. And she just tried out for a new play called Descendants. And she wanted mal or one of these lead characters and we're listening to her sing and you know oh it sounds amazing and she got villager number four and i wonder I, it's funny because when i hear you talk about that and i wonder if this happened to you did it bother you more than it bothered her uh, initially I, initially i was upset at the theater company yeah Right. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I think the anger goes to whoever's making the, <laughs> the decisions. decisions. But 
can you be as a father can you be objective <laughs> right when looking at your kid's talent and going uh, is it good or is it good right. because that's my daughter i i i, I want to think i can but i wonder the parent side of things because for that exact reason i think when she came home and she told us she surprisingly was actually hey I got villager number four it's great she's with her friends she's like i'm seventh grader next year hopefully i'll get one of the leads and moving on great she said that she seemed very you know satisfied with it i know she was probably disappointed i was really upset like, I didn't sleep that night. I was like, but wait, she's got this amazing voice. How did she not get the lead? I've gone through this with Aubrey in soccer. You know, I, I feel like sometimes after games, if she doesn't score and you don't score every time, like I'm the one who internally is like really upset about the play. She's actually okay with it because she did the best that she could do. Um, so I know it's hard because I, I, I want to say that I'm objective, but I feel like a lot of things my girls do when they don't succeed, I'm upset at maybe a third party for no reason. It's not the third party's fault, right? Well, here. Do you uh, convey your disappointment to your kids saying, why you didn't get the lead? What the f yeah. Or, or do you go, oh, Villager 4, how nice. I mean, no, I, I actually, and sort of a hybrid. I was like, I'm actually surprised. I have to be honest, Lexi, I'm surprised. I think you have a beautiful voice. Um, I think you deserve, a, you know, a big singing role. But I understand that sometimes you have to work up to that. It's, you know, we always talk about, you know, Michael Jordan didn't make his uh, 10th grade basketball team, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not always going to get the lead. You're not always going to be the best at everything. And sometimes maybe you are one of the best and other people don't see it. And that's going to happen as well. But I think then you got to work for it. But I, I do, I don't do, oh, that was great. You deserve Villager 4, great. It's sort of a hybrid because I do think she's very talented. I'm also her father, so I'm sure there's some, you know, there's some bias there. Um, but I was actually impressed by her maturity for that because I'm trying to think when I was a kid, if I didn't get anything, if I would have just been like, I don't want to do it. You ever have that like where you auditioned and you didn't get something then you're just like well i'm not going to do it and what if your child did that would you make them do it uh a lot to unpack there yeah. first and foremost uh, and i want to rewind before i get into those questions do you as the parent then go see who got the part right <laughs> with pickaxes <laughs> standing outside their door well, because that's the first question yeah. I asked Lana, because I wasn't in the car when uh, she went to get picked up. I said, who got Dorothy? Right. Right. And then I start to make or surmise my own scenario. Right. Because, and maybe people aren't ready to hear this, and I think we touched on this in another show, and we never aired it, but I'll, I'll present it to you. Um. Do you think there is politics involved when choosing kids for things in school, yeah. whether it be theater? And I don't see this so much in athletics, right? 
Or, may, or maybe you okay. could maybe you could speak to yeah. it more because I haven't. My kids aren't in a team oriented sport yet. Are kids making teams uh, not based on their performance? But I'll throw an example out. Uh, family donates a lot of money mm. to the school. Does that open doors for the kids in activities where they would have no place being? Yeah. I, I mean, I think at all levels, I think there's politics. I absolutely do. Um, and I think that, you know, there's the, the politics of, I don't think you're going to have somebody who's absolutely no talent in a theater or a musical or sport than be the star because it's going to look poorly upon whatever that institution is or the coach or the, the, you know, the head of the, of the company. But I think they're they're fit in. I think there are roles. I think there are politics also with grades. Uh, I think that as you get older, and you know, some of that makes sense, right? You're going to give the seniors a little more ability to do things. It's their last year. But then you got to ask yourself also, what is the philosophy of the, of an institution? If you're going to tell people that, you know, let's say it's a sport that we want to have the best team, we want to win, we want to show these girls you work really hard and do that, then you really shouldn't have politics in it because you should, whether you are somebody young or somebody old, you pick the top players and you put them in or you pick the people that are best in theater. But I, I get the, I think in we see this in careers, right? Paying your dues a little bit. And it's really hard to be the hot shot coming in and getting the best part or best role even in a job nowadays don't you find that i was always lived by the motto of hey if you're the most talented person yeah if you're the seventh grader coming into audition i, I agree you're blowing everybody out of the water yeah. we give it to that person and we don't give it to the senior that's half as talented because they're going to have one last shot at being the star right. in the fucking and, thing. And I agree with you 100%. I, that's, I'm just saying that's what I see. But I agree. I think if it's soccer, even the at top the, 11. Even at, the, even at that level, at, at uh, 14 years old, you're seeing that kids are playing that I, aren't supposed to be playing? I, I think there, there's people who you know pay their dues and people get playing time. Um I, I do. I, I I do think that happens. And I agree with you. I've always been from the, you know, let's say it's soccer. Here's your 11 best and that's who plays. And yeah, you go up the score, you try to get other people in when you can, but the idea is to put together the best team you can. I'm sorry. That's, that's what I believe. And I do believe it also teaches something to the kids. Like if you're good enough to be in that group and work hard and do it and be talented enough to do it, that's great. And if you're not, you have a couple options, right? You either work harder to try to get to that point or you pivot to something that maybe you're better at, right? We talk about that in work. Yeah, I I think nowadays though, uh, I'm just, again, going back to when I was playing soccer. There yeah. was a kid and I think he might listen to some of my comedies reached out to me before in the past that I went to junior high school with. His name was uh, Danny Zimzak. Uh -huh. and, uh, and Danny was terrible okay. at playing soccer, but he had such a passion for it. He loved the game. The, the, the poor kid couldn't run. It, it was just, he couldn't run. It, he's just non-athletic, mm -hmm. right? 
you know, one of these kids that like he's like good at the flute. <laughs> Right, but then you throw him in athletics, and it's just like, guy, hey, <laughs> right. you know, the, the the star quarterback ain't playing the flute. What the hell are you doing over here? Right. So, Danny got in when the game was one. Basically, right. you know, Six we're up seven then, zero. Right. Then you bring in the throw rest. Danny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I don't think that's the case anymore and again i i'm 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 seeing this at yeah. such a small level with young kids you could speak to this is there danny zimzax gets in earlier yeah yeah you're seeing that i see it at times yeah and i think it depends on the league right i think it's there are definitely leagues for sports and different activities and schools that say right off the bat the point of this is not to be the best in the country. The point of this is not to be a Broadway show. It's to have participation and everybody get involved and everybody be happy and, you know, right? Mm -hmm. And I think in those institutions especially, and they're all over, and especially in California, we see this a lot, then the point is participation and everybody's happy and everybody gets it. And then there are definitely leagues and areas where they say flat out, like, this is cutthroat and we're only playing these top people. And if you're not one of those, then you're not going to be it. And you're going to sit the bench and you're going to be upset. And do you want that? So I think a lot of places define that. I think a lot of schools tend to be more of the, we want to get as many people involved as possible and make everybody feel good. Okay. That being said, and as long as we're on the topic of athletics and uh, kids and sports, you're seeing you know, thousands of kids between the ages of one and 18, but I want to segment it from like maybe 14 to 18, the yeah. high school years. Mm -hmm. uh, are these kids now, uh, are they playing a plethora of different sports? Uh -huh. Are they in one sport and those parents now are like traveling? I talk to you, yeah. right? I go, where are you at? In a different place every week. You're in San Diego. You're in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. Serafina just made the gymnastics team, and they're telling us, oh, yeah, we do Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. She's six. We're going to go to Arizona. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, so when the kid's traveling to these different places, mm -hmm. are you like, as a parent, oh, we have to do this because she loves the game, there's more competition, right. We get to see where she falls in a national level rather than just like a kind of a regional level. What is the, cause we grew up, our know, traveling team, we went to the next town. Right, exactly. Right? We didn't We didn't have to go state to state. Yeah. My buddy Pat McGann does a great bit on this about uh, you know traveling <laughs> baseball, teams and yeah, baseball, exactly. what have you. So are you seeing a lot of pressure put on kids at a young age to perform at a high level when it's supposed to be or should have been just kind of fun and yeah. team oriented, participating in a team environment? I just want, want to know why it got so specialized that you need a coach now uh, on the off season mm -hmm. to get you ready for junior year. Right. Are you falling into this as a parent? Like, uh, we got to get Aubrey a soccer coach. No, I, I don't think, I hope we're not falling into that pressure. I mean, so two things, the first thing you said about as they get older, I think they are compartmentalizing their sports. So I think early on people are playing a lot of sports, right? You just, every season you're playing a sport. And then I think it starts 
weeding down as you get older. And when you're in high school, if you're really interested in something, you love something, most of those kids are playing like one focus sport or one or two, right? Like something in the off season, but there's not a lot of time, like you said, to do multiple things. I mean, I think about soccer right now, she's 15, ninth grader soccer. She's doing three days a week. And then we have a tournament or a game every weekend. So we may be someplace on a, on a Saturday and Sunday in California or elsewhere. I think there's a little gimmicky stuff in this to your point. Like when we grew up, there was like one league, right? And basically I played all the teams around you and you were really happy. And now throughout the country, especially California, because they have a huge onslaught of different sports leagues. There's all these like different levels. I'm this level and I'm this level. A lot of people, what I found is they put their child in the level. It's almost like to say that I'm in this top level, but the competition isn't so much different. It's like, well, I could play the team here in my backyard. I could fly to New Jersey and pay them. Why would I want to fly to New Jersey? You've probably seen on the internet all these memes now about travel sport. It's like, I'm going to pay $5,000 a year just to travel to New Jersey for the weekend to play a team that I probably could have just played there under the guise of maybe it's a better experience, better competition. But I think especially where we live in California, which has one of the largest networks of sports, we have the competition here. So you don't necessarily have to go to all those places around the country. I think what it comes down to is your your commitment, your coach, and the development. And that's really what it should be about. Because how many of these people are going to play in college? Very, very few. How yeah. many people are playing professional? Zero, right? So... Are they enjoying themselves, which I do think is important, even at the highest levels, because if they don't enjoy it, what the attitude you bring into the game is so, so important and it makes you a better player, but the development and the coach you have, and we're really fortunate to have an amazing coach who's brought a group of girls together that enjoy it, but also play at the top level because you don't want to, you don't want to be playing and putting in all this time. And to be honest, losing every week and not playing well, that's not fun either. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that combination um, that we found. And yeah, we've been doing a lot of like, we have state cup and tournaments now, which is great. Cause you go to those things to play sort of higher level teams throughout the state. Um, so you do need to do that. It's, it's sort of funny. All this club stuff that we're talking about has almost surpassed. I don't know when you were in high school, for me, high school sports were the bigger deal than outside sports. Like to be, to wear that varsity jacket and be on the varsity soccer team or football team, that was the big deal. Nowadays, actually the more committed athletes, the outside sports are more important than the high school sports. It's flipped a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I it was great to be on the varsity team in, in high school. There yeah. was a certain like cachet about it. But even back then, traveling soccer back in Chicago was the thing. I mean, right. Pegasus, Green and White, these clubs yeah. that played these massive tournaments. And, you know, I think even uh, Barcelona came, you know, like they were playing, you know, international right. teams. Uh, so I think you get like a lot more competition in these traveling sports right. than you would if you were just in the state. But, um, yeah, as, as a father now, seeing my kids go through this um, this process of I didn't get that, I wanted this. I just told Serafina, I said, listen, anybody could play Dorothy, yeah. all right? The yeah. reason you got the witch is nobody could play the witch That's but good. you. Yeah. So I just kind of flipped it on her. But then, you know, when my wife and I went to bed that night, I go, you motherfucker, you know? <laughs> But don't you find 
I mean, I live vicariously. I think all parents, we live vicariously through our kids in some some sense, right? Any of the great things they do, any of the achievements they make, it sort of is like, yeah, that came from me, right? You feel good about it. Yeah. When your kid's a bozo, you feel like, oh my God, that came from my wife, <laughs> you know? But you do, like, I don't know, when Aubrey scores a goal, it's somehow like I scored the goal and yeah. it's so dumb. And yeah. like when Lexi's up on stage and I have no talent at all, it's like, that's my kid, you know? There is that, that, as a parent, you feel, you feel their, their highs and you feel their lows. And I, and I try, and I know sometimes I may even take it harder. Like I think I, at night, I think about these things too. And I sort of should let them just be, um, because I perseverate on a little bit. I think parents do. But do you, have you ever went and spoken to a coach or a, uh, an, uh, whoever, whoever's yeah. in control of, of of the acting school or the musician, you know, wh- whatever it is, have you ever went, hey, like, if Aubrey don't make the team next yeah. year or she ain't playing, are, are you going to go up to the coach no. and go, come here, why isn't she in? No, or mean, or do you just you sit back and go, oh, I guess, you know, like, I, I would find it hard. Like, yeah, we were going to go up to the acting school and tell the acting school, you know, Serafina in our opinion, has performed quite well over the last four plays with lesser roles. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm going to be completely transparent here. When I watch my daughter in Uh comparison to the rest of the school. Right. You wonder why. Right. She pops. Yeah. Uh Now, I could give it up to other kids. There's another kid when she, I can't wait till she gets lines because she's got a personality. Oh, I can't wait. You can definitely tell. I could tell. Yeah. The interesting part about you said, like going up to the coaches, which is a hard one because I never want to be that parent. You know, you see these parents like my kid didn't play like every game going up. And and usually those are the parents of the kids who shouldn't have played. Yeah. You know, they're right. So I don't want to do that. But I would have a hard time if I know my child deserved it over other people. The bigger issue is I just want to know there has to be a reason if you're not going to play somebody or somebody's not going to get a part, I think that if that person was asked, they should be able to come up with a good reason for that. And the reason why that's important is for the child to know how they can improve. We talk about this in jobs, right? If you just tell somebody they're fired, but didn't tell them how to improve up until that point, you didn't give them an opportunity to improve their you know, their job status. And it's the same thing with a child and whether it's in academics, in sports, in theater, those instructors should be able to tell them, hey, this is what you're doing great, like we do in a job. These are the things you really need to work on to improve, to get to where you want to be. It shouldn't be just a flat out, you're the best or you're the worst. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the more important. No, thing. an explanation is definitely yeah. in order. Um, all right, so... Um, little different spin here on daddy versus doctor we don't normally take out the you know 26 minutes to talk you know shop like that but you know what this show is in its early years and we're trying to give it different looks we got some different things we're going to do today by the way you might be asking yourself wow i've never really seen a marble table on a podcast this is our new setting right here in my home, we have designed a podcast studio where we are going to be doing um, 
By the way, the soundproofing sucks in here. Uh, <laughs> it's not all. It's not all sober. We just heard, we just had a helicopter fly over. We, we haven't done Daddy vs. Doctor in two months because you were making this. Yeah, we were. You we, carved we, it. We, you we, went we, to Italy. Uh, I whittled it out of beautiful. Whittled, whittled the marble. <laughs> but uh, this is going to be our studio uh, from now on. Uh, we were we were broadcasting from a studio downtown, um, which was a nightmare to get to. You live literally right down the street from here, so you can yes, pop up at any great. time, and we'll crack it I out. Sleep we'll, right next door. We're gonna have guests in house shortly. We're not gonna be doing the Zoom anymore. Uh, it just seems to be a little bit um, antiquated. Uh, a COVID uh, pandemic, if you will. Mm. Uh, Zoom. We get to talk to people in person, yeah. which is really nice. Which is going to be nice. Pop a quiz. <laughs> Pop a quiz. It's amazing that we come up with these titles that are just, I mean, they're just so amazing. <laughs> The, the audience should know that Papa Quiz, we haven't seen these questions before, which puts us in a very vulnerable state because usually the questions I ask Sebastian are like, what color is the sky? And then he asked me like, what is the mitochondrial DNA of something, which I don't know. So let's see how this goes. All right. I'm going to ask the first question. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. What is the <laughs> smallest bone in the body? Oh, that's a good one. I've actually asked kids this. I probably ask your daughter when she comes in. If you get this, yeah. if you get this, yeah. hey, and yeah. and I don't know where you got the answer, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so well, actually, do you know? Do you even know where that is? Uh, if it didn't say it on the card, yeah. I have no idea where yeah. it is. And yeah. number one, I would have thought. The smallest bone uh -huh. in the body would be located in the finger. Yeah, but it's the ear. And it, it do you and know? The, it, yeah, there's, there's three bones: the malleus, the incus, and the stapes. Yep. Um, it says the stapes here. It doesn't even give you the uh, three. They, they, he the knew three. more than Google. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they are the three ossicles in the air, are the smallest. And it's it, that these questions are sort of fun because I do when kids are interested in science and they come in the office, I'll ask them like, "What's your smallest bone? What's your biggest bone? How many bones do you have? Things like that." Okay, so okay. That, now, yeah. since we're on that topic, what is the largest bone? Maybe, maybe I know this. What do you know? Is the largest bone yeah. in the body? the tibia no but you know because where's the tibia it's in the calf right but think about your thigh is much longer so yeah. my guess is it's the femur which is the bone yeah. from the hip to yeah. the knee we could we can we can google that but my guess is that i don't think you have to google it yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but here's an interesting this is why i'm fascinated about uh intellect and education yeah. out of all the bones in the body right and Again, is that retention from college or did you have somebody come in last week with a problem with their ear and you're like, oh, you know, like, is that a, a no, constant I mean, I refresher? I, I, How no, do you pull I, that out of your ass? I, no, it's I unbelievable. Just, I just think I read it somewhere and you just remember things. I don't know. Okay. Is but it, like is stupid it, human facts. I don't know. I like, I, I don't know. It's interesting. That's okay. not interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> 
It, it's interesting now, but if you ask me <laughs> next week what it, it is, what is the small spoon? All right, you give me one. All right. Oh my gosh, is this really? We'll no, I mean, <laughs> who would know this? <laughs> well. Well, you know what? Uh, wait, wait. This is a question that was written for you. On average, how many bacteria cells are on each square centimeter of a rubber duck? Okay. See, the, this game, let me just alter this game right now. What, we do, what is that? What we do, Papa Quiz next. What is that? What you got to do is. I get the medical questions for him, right? Right. His then, question then should be his qu to, to like me stand is, up. Who's starring in the next exactly. Black Adam? Right. <laughs> right. 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 So, which which muscle are you most right? If <laughs> if you do a sixty minute stand up back, which muscle are you most likely to strain? <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, that here. is that is I, yeah. That's crazy. I, I think it might be better if yeah. it's 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 this this segment should be called stump the doctor oh right stump the doctor and, and, but and you're gonna stump me and let let me see what he knows all right oh my gosh okay at what age uh -huh. do children's brains uh -huh. reach 90 percent of their adult size uh i think it's two years old six six years old it's 90 percent right yeah, oh that's high all right 90 percent okay. that's high that's interesting because you know I usually say that we usually say that you're as smart as you're going to be at two, because your your brain go, grows exponentially, uh, in the third trimester, uh, in utero, and then the first two years. That's why we talk about like full fats, omega three fatty acids, really good for brain growth, development, cognition, and then after two, we actually stop checking your head size because you sort of level off after that. The head size at two is the head size. no it's not it's not your final head size but we stop you know we measure the kids head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we stop at two because after two when you look at head growth it's almost like a flat line after oh, that it's, okay it doesn't, like it doesn't grow okay Love but, to check that six but, years old interesting who's our uh do we have a medical correspondent looking these up how do you know how do we know if this is right oh well, yeah we should have looked these up so we we used google we used chat gpt and then we Compared them against each other. Oh, because so oh, Google's great at medicine. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. That's what we, the hope was that if we ask you a question, you're like, no, that is like, yeah, that's interesting. Ninety percent. Ninety percent at six. All right, I like it. I, I'll give you a reason why I'm right, but who knows? I, I'm gonna give you another one. All right. What is the name of the condition in which an infant's head is flattened by mm -hmm. too much back or crib time? Yeah, plagiocephaly. But that's a common one. So you know that when we Yeah, common. No, no. When when we when we were kids and we slept on our stomachs, everybody had nice round heads. It wasn't an issue. And now we've created because of the back to sleep campaign, which is very necessary, which we put all babies to sleep on their back to prevent SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. Okay. So when the babies are sleeping on the back of their heads, they flatten out the back because the weight of their head flattens there. And then if they like looking in one direction more than the other, right, you're laying down on your back and you always look this way, you flatten the right side. So it's all about forces and your head is, your cranium is very malleable in the first year of life. So wherever you put the 
pressure, that's where it flattens out. So once the worst it usually gets is the first four months of life, because the first four months you're flat on your back, then you start rolling. So then it starts evening out as your head grows. And that's where you see the kids with the helmets, right? So at four months, their head's really flat. And then they get a helmet that's like pressure point. So as the head grows, it puts pressure on certain areas. So it pops it out and it makes it round. Okay. Let me, uh, let me, let me address the helmet. <laughs> I, I, growing up, no one had a helmet. Right. right because of, right. Because we slept on our bellies. Okay. But sleeping on your belly, you're mm. saying is, wasn't the right thing to do growing up. Well, we found that it's a big risk factor for SIDS. So and, and SIDS is smothering yourself in like just Yeah, it's, it's sudden infant death syndrome and there's a lot of factors. One of the factors, not a hundred percent, because by putting everybody to sleep on their back didn't reduce it to zero, but that was a large factor. They think it's a combination of a couple things that one, a position you're in, two, you have a genetic predisposition to it, and you're in sort of like, yes, a smothering position. And you basically have right sudden infant death. Got gotcha. Okay, again. All right, what you got? Pediatrics mm -hmm. comes from the word child in what language? Latin. Greek, right? Greek? Oh, Greek. Oh, Greek. All right. Ah, oh, Greek. That would make sense. I went for origins, origin stories. Greek. That makes sense. Okay, I, right? I, I'm trying to trying to figure out if I have a question in regards to. Uh, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> no, I don't. What do you got? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so we got to get some. Uh, right, how old's Mario? <laughs> yeah. What do you What do you got? All right. I mean, there's. All you, right, what, give me a, some credit. Jesus. All right, let's give you something. Oh, look at that! What is the safest sleeping position for infants? There you go. Barely. Now you know that one. Um, barely, almost forgot. Yeah, so th th this one's wrong. But on average, when does the soft spot on a baby's head go away? I'm gonna say one and a half. Oh wow! Where'd you pull that one from? Well, I was just I was just going back to my kids, and I remember, I remember back. I go, oh, this is yeah. soft, and then it wasn't. And I'm like, oh, that was probably around. It was basically. I, I like that you knew the answer, but when you pointed to where the soft spot was, I, I went right here, here, but it's actually right here. Okay, yeah, I, I but, went in the back. Yeah, so nine to eighteen months is when it closes. So you know, it's there. You're born with two: an anterior fontanelle here and a posterior. The posterior ones usually close at birth, but can close up to three months of age. The anterior fontanelle allows the different plates of the head to expand as your brain grows. So it's, you need it open. And then it closes somewhere between nine and 18 months. Yeah. All right. So wow. Google is a little off on that one. So I, 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 I'm going to bring this up again. I, yeah. I know I've asked you this in the past, but now it's reached a point where we're coming on. Uh, Seraphine is turning six. Yep. You guys need an appointment, by the way. <sighs> Me hearing that, I get nervous. Why? Because the way you said it yeah. was, was the way I took it is <laughs> she was supposed to be checked for x disease <laughs> no and it's past that point. no no she does annual exams okay every year right? right and 
you don't book in advance. Okay. And then it's hard to get an appointment. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, we could just do it right here. <laughs> we just lay her up here on the table. We'll put some paper down. This is how we'll do it. hard it is to get into his office. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he goes, listen, you don't book an appointment, right? And I might not be available <laughs> for two months. Right? I'm not saying that, but I'm sort of saying that. <laughs> okay, so she's turning yes. six uh-huh. next week or right. in a week and a half, whatever. Party's next week. Still sucking the thumb. Yeah. Still pissing in uh, her diaper yeah. at night. I know. You get so worked up about the nighttime diaper. I do because we've tried, you know, we brought the light in. because She's scared yeah. to go to the bathroom. Right. So now the whole the whole room <laughs> it's like, looks like space, right? It's like the Luxor, <laughs> like, lights on the ceiling <laughs> in the bathroom. I uh, mean, oh, you got those lights, the little yeah, fairy we, lights. We, yeah, we light the thing up oh, and look, like, you know, thing and then <laughs> the, 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 the green s- stars and sh- I, how much do we got to bring <laughs> in to get this kid to, to get out of the diaper? I'm but concerned. That's not help the diaper. Well, I thought it would help her. Get not out be of scared and go okay, in right. in the not it's not dark. Well, you really think she's she's wetting herself at night because she's not she won't go up into the bathroom. So we tried taking the diaper off. Right. We tried. Okay. I told you not to do that. Okay. We tried it. Yes. And how many times did you have to throw away sheets? Yeah. Every morning. Exactly. Yeah. I could have told. Well, you we that. we yeah. put uh we put like a pad, so it didn't burn through the sheet, right. but. We right. fit, oh, and then we said, you know, stop drinking water at right. whatever five. I'll give you. I'll, Go give, to the I'll give you homework, and you're going to be able to do it for two nights. This is what you do. So we said up until six, no interventions. You want to do intervention now. because technically nocturnal enuresis, which is urinating at night, is considered normal up until six. It's not that it's a problem after six. It's just that it's so normal that we make no interventions because it's not going to make a difference, like limiting fluid. Telling her you're in big girl underwear, now you're going to stay dry. You saw it doesn't make a difference. Mm. So after six, you can try some interventions we'll talk about. I will tell you, none of them are greater than a 50-50 shot, and they're more work on you, and you're not going to be able to do it. Okay. All right. Look at that vote of confidence. All right. So the first is you're doing easy limiting fluid after dinner. Mm -hmm. Fine. Number two, easy pee before bed. Fine. Number three, nighttime wakening. All right. So this is how it works. You put her to sleep and then you try, you hope this works before you go to sleep, you wake her up and you go into the bathroom and have her go to the bathroom. Okay. If, if she stayed dry from that point till morning, every couple nights that she's dry, you're going to wake her up 15 minutes earlier, closer to where she goes to sleep. Okay. So let's say she goes down at eight and at midnight you wake her up and from midnight to six, she's dry. For a couple nights, then 11.45, she's dry. Da, 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 da. What you're doing is you're training the bladder to hold the urine longer and longer. Okay, If that happened, that actually would be the greatest case scenario because it's no skin off your back, you're up. But that's not what's going to happen. You're going to wake her up at midnight before you go to sleep and she's going to be wet in the morning. So you have to find the time that when you wake her up, she stays dry till the morning. It's probably going to be waking her up at 3 a.m. to stay dry to 6 a.m. So you're going to set your alarm every night at 3 a.m. to wake her up to stay dry at 6. And then if she stays dry for a couple nights, you're going to wake her up at 2.45 and then 2.30. 
and you're going to be miserable and she's going to be miserable. Lana's going to be dead asleep mm-hmm. and it takes that. forever. Exactly. We, we, we ain't doing that. Exactly. My point is, yes. A, how many times do you think she's going to the bathroom at night? Is it once? Is it twice? And can you pinpoint- put a tracker on. Can you pinpoint oh, when she goes to the bathroom yeah. and go, oh, she goes to sleep at eight, she's going at 11. Right. No, it's 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 hard. I mean, or unless it, you caught it. That's why like, you would have to literally wake her up and see when you wake her up and she goes where she stays dry the next morning. So the, the, the basically waking up method, it works. It's just really hard. It takes a long time. Yeah. The other thing you could do, they make bell and pads at this age. This is a fun one. So it's a, it's a pad that goes on the bed. So when it gets wet, it rings. And guess, oh, what, guess what it does? It wakes up everybody in the house except the child in that bed. <laughs> Notoriously. Because bedtime wetters are also tend to be heavy sleepers. She a heavy sleeper? Obviously, she's yeah. pissing in her pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So they're usually heavy sleepers. So I've literally had families who buy this alarm, this alarm pad. You can get it anywhere. And the alarm goes off and everybody, every child, every adult in the house wakes up <laughs> except the kid who's Is sitting that in loud? the wet. It's- no, it, it vibrates and it does this thing. It's just, it's just funny how it works. So none of these things are great. I, if it doesn't bother her, I would put her in pull-ups every night and not worry about it okay. until she's dry. But you can do it. These are the methods. That I, do it. Uh, uh, based on what you just told me, I'm not doing any of what you just right. told me. It sounds awful. <laughs> Uh, so we'll just have you, her in a diaper when, till twelve. When you wake up till two at two and do your security search of the property premises, you can wake her up, and Lana will be dead asleep, and you'll be like looking for raccoons. And 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 the, and the thumb is is just the thumb. The, the thumb the, is impossible. I, I mean, at this age, the fact she you're gonna go <laughs> see my wife. Now, I wish there was a good way. That, of that, I, I don't even worry I about the teeth because I know the teeth are easy. Are easy. I'm worried about. She do it during the at, day too. It's 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 almost like a re- reflex yeah. where where we'll be talking. She'll be doing something. Yeah. There'd be a lull, and it's just automatic. Right. No, it's like self soothing, and they don't, they're not even aware of it. That's why the nighttime's so hard because it's like no matter what you give them to distract them from their thumb, yeah. it's like that plus the thumb. During the day, I usually try to take their hand and distract them without making a negative experience. It is hard. I mean, nobody goes to college thumb sucking. Well, we saw that one person. <laughs> she won't be that one. She doesn't do it at school. Maybe that's why she didn't get Dorothy. Maybe. Why don't you tell her that? That's cause why I, issue. Yeah. You didn't get Dorothy because Dorothy doesn't suck her thumb. And then we cause we cause like a full on neurosis. Oh yeah. No, we're not doing that. I just those are the two main things I'm trying to <laughs> trying be- to like fix. And, and at, at a six year old yeah. appointment, yeah. what are you looking for? What are you looking at? Is there anything like, oh, we check for that, that, that at six? No, I mean, every year it's the general full body exam. What I get most out of it, six-year appointments are great. And with Serafina, it's been like this for a while since she's probably like four. But like you really can ignore the parents and have conversations with the kid. And you learn more about their development and what's going on. Just asking her questions about her day and asking her safety things. That's really what we're doing. It's crazy because in medicine... You spend all these years like learning about the body and the exam. And in the 30 minute visit I have with you, that takes 
a couple minutes of that time. The rest is really just talking and anticipatory guidance and safety and, you know, talking to the child. You, you can learn so much more. And of course, we're pinpointing other things, but. Do you find it when doing an exam, let's say with a six-year-old or what have you, like let's say if we brought Serafina in mm -hmm. and we said, go see Dr. Cohen yeah. and we sat in a lobby yeah, and you did just a one-on-one -on -one with her. Mm -hmm. Have you done that, like with with kids that that just just to see if they either tell you more, mm -hmm. if they're more, you know, not so reliant on the parents to explain, mm -hmm. and they could articulate what they're going yeah. through. No, I mean starting at three, when that child's up on the exam table, and you've seen this, I say hi, mom and dad, and I sit with them, I look at them, and the whole discussion is with them. I don't ask the parents any questions till the end. Yeah, and it's all up to the child. And of course, there are going to be parents that when I ask the child a question, like, you know, oh, what color is this? And the parents is red. No, I know you know the answer. You know, it's for them. Um, it's not a, it's not an IQ test. We're yeah, just yeah. like checking things out. But I love that. That's the best part of my job. I love the ages where I can sit with the child and talk to them. Most of the part. I mean, you know, we've always joked around. If parents didn't show up, I'd have the easiest job. In the yeah. Life. But uh, um, no, but it, but it makes it fun. And. I know your family and I know Serafina and Caruso are absolutely fine. I've been with them enough that honestly, do you need to even come in for that? No, but it is important also that I do examine their body too. This is one of my favorite parts of the show. It's called uh, daddy. Snack, snack. You can always tell it's one of your favorite by just your general demeanor. Yeah, yeah. That's that's my level of excitement for anything. Ever. Anything. In my life. Um, You're getting married. Um, so I don't know these. Do you know these? No. First time I've seen. Them, it's called waff waffles. Waffles. <laughs> waffles. Waffles. So first of all, somebody waffles. obviously had the trademark on just waffles. <laughs> so we got to change the S to a Z. Uh, blueberry apple. What else we got? Blueberry apple. Apple Co carrot. Oh, apple carrot cinnamon. Yeah. With cocoa melon. So they're branded. Nice. And blueberry. Oh, you got this on once. Okay. So cocoa melon is a cartoon for mm -hmm. kids, right? What they yeah. did here. And again, you're always looking at the business angle on some of these products, right? Uh, we might have, by the end of this, our hope is to have daddy versus doctor snacks. Yeah, of course. Know, right. Yeah. Uh, Coco Melon, popular uh, cartoon. What? Based on, based on this. Don't you have to heat waffles? Yeah, but this is. You just eat these like. Yeah, this is like a, this is a chip. You don't put like, like syrup on them or anything? Syrup. What the fuck? <laughs> What what snack have you ever opened where you're like you have to when put I condiments think, on it? When I think of waffle, when you think of waffles, don't you think about like putting something on it? My thought is if you if whatever whatever you thought about putting on it, they baked it into the snack. All right. Now let's see what we got here. How is it? Dry. 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 Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll eat the box <laughs> because you know me. That's what I do. Okay. Right? 
You know what they taste like? What do they taste like that we grew up on? Graham crackers. Yeah. Oh, um, um, what were the cookies? Animal crackers. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what they taste um, like. I mean, I, I'm with you. I could, I could eat, I could eat the whole box. No, no. problem. But my concern here when it comes to snacks and food, which mm -hmm. I don't see in the schools, I don't mm -hmm. see in the hospitals, and I don't and forgive me again if we talked about this. Uh-huh. Nutrition mm -hmm. is something that I don't see a lot of doctors promoting. Right. Like good diet. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't. I don't think this is in medical school. Yeah, we're not. We're not trained well in it, nutrition. I have to be honest with you. So, which I find fascinating, right? Due to the fact that nutrition is probably the result of a lot of disease, a hundred percent. And what we learn early on, definitely those habits translate to adulthood, right? So yeah. Getting it early. Yeah. Yeah. So you get something like this. Anytime I see this. Cocoa, melon, waffles. I, I just see not healthy. Yeah. It's just a a filler for the kid. Okay. I would rather go, and I'm I'm guilty of this. I'm not I'm not right. saying that we're practicing this at the house. Right. I would rather see the kid eat a strawberry, an apple, sure. a banana. Sure. Right? But what is it with this stuff? Is it just so convenient you throw it in the car? It's, it's so convenient. I mean, everything is on the go nowadays. It's a quick snack. You know, it's really hard. To your point, I mean, I wish I knew more. You know, we'll have a nutritionist, like a pediatric nutritionist on the show. I don't think, I don't do this with my kids. I don't do this with myself. I have a hard time looking at labels and truly knowing what does that mean? 80 calories. Is that good? Is that bad? Seems fine. You know, carbohydrates, 10 grams. Okay. Low sugar. Great. But like the actual numbers, I mean, does any, does the quantification of it really make that much of a difference one way or the other within a couple points? That's always my question because I don't think anybody, even the, the most well-intentioned parent, you can't read labels. You don't do it for yourself. How do you do that? But there are people out there, and I've, I follow these people on Instagram. Yeah. I see them every once in a while. They come on the screen, yeah. and they're like, "Hey, are you drinking, uh, you know, uh, water in plastic bottles? That's awful because there's there's BPA and the right. And, 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 right? and, it, and it's like it's it's everything. It seems like you can't eat anything anymore." That, without it being a problem. That's the issue. I feel like today there's a problem with X that next week there won't be a problem. I mean, I read it all the time. Three cups of coffee today protects me against everything. Next week I read three cups of coffee, I die of a heart attack next week. Yeah. It constantly changes. And that's why I wonder in the mild variations, does it really make a difference? Because I think the overall theme, at least as a pediatrician and a parent, when it comes to kids, is moderation. Right? I, I, that's why... Yeah, if you want to give this as a snack, great. Look, I, I'm sitting here eating it. I'll eat it. I'll finish this one. I'll have another one. It's easy. Are there other substitutes that would be better? I was sitting here eating an apple with you. Sure. But I think as long as that's not all you're eating and you're eating other things in moderation and you're having a variety and a well-balanced diet, I mean, I think that's really what we should be teaching because I think keeping up with the numbers and the label reading is just very difficult, unless well, it's common sense. If it's all sugar, 
Yeah, you know it's not good. You're not going to have gummy bears every day. I love gummy bears. Yeah, I love gummy bears yeah. too. But, uh, you know, they're saying there's a there's a movement out there that, you know, they're getting kids addicted to sugar yeah. early on. Yeah. And then that when they taste other things, they're like, wow, this is doesn't taste like the waffles I had earlier right. because there's no sugar in it. So, I mean, do you completely eliminate sugar from a child's diet from the yeah. I, don't, I don't think you completely eliminate anything because my feeling is that when you eliminate something 100%, that person seeks those things out to their detriment, right? I see this all the time. My child's never allowed to have TV. Well, when they get exposed to their friend's house and has a TV, who do you think the kid, which kid is standing five feet from the TV staring at it and won't go away? Child who can never have sugar the second they get it, right? Hand over fist in their mouth. And we see this when you abstain from anything in life. I think we see this with alcohol and cigarettes. I mean, there's that argument, right? Europe versus the US that in Europe, you know, they have small amounts of alcohol and it's just like, you know, with a glass of wine with meals, then you're not binging it where we say absolutely you can never have it. And then people seek it out and binge it. I think that goes across the board with lots of things. So I think that's the key. I don't think it's zero. I think it's moderation. And finding that balance because, yeah, high levels of sugar aren't good, not just for nutrition, but how we think, right? Like kids thinking during school, behavior. Oh, yeah. We know, we've talked about this, fluctuations in normal sugar levels are one of the main reasons kids have like tantrums and behavioral issues, headaches. And it's not that if I measured their sugar, it would be abnormally high or low at any point. It's just that normal fluctuations. They're carb-loaded diets constantly, right? Everybody's cereal for breakfast. They don't eat anything or drink well during school, right? The second they can run and play, they run and play. And then they bottom out when? When they come home with us, when they don't get their way, it's a 50-50 shot. They're on the floor, speaking from experience, you know, having an exorcist. So we talk about actually high-protein snacks being very helpful because it keeps you euglycemic. It keeps your sugar flatline. So not just having the carb in the morning, but having something with protein, an egg, uh, a yogurt, um, milk, and then that first afternoon stack after school, carrying something that has protein, you know, peanut butter, uh, a cheese stick, mm -hmm. you know, something like that, because it just, it helps mood as well, yeah. which we see. Uh, the rating here on waffles, convenient, on the go, need something to throw in the kid's mouth, fine. Again, I'm looking for alternatives when it's come when it comes yeah. to a, for for <clears throat> snacks for kids, fruits, vegetables, carrot sticks, celery. I know they're not sexy. I know they don't taste uh, abundantly fantastic, but uh But what about putting this on a plate, a couple apple slices, a little honey? I guarantee they're going to eat the waffles. <laughs> and then the apples going to go and then they're going to say I'm full when they get to the apples. So uh yeah, it's uh, what do we, we start? We start a shit. What do we do on uh, on lollipops? Mm. I give it three three out of five lollipops. Uh, what's what's your rating? Yeah, I I agree. I think three out of five. Yeah, three three and a half out of five for um. What do you call them? Wallsies? <laughs> Waffles. Get yourself some waffles in your kid's stomach today. That's our time here on Daddy versus Doctor. Got to ask you to subscribe to the channel. Go to our uh, Instagram, Facebook, like us there. Any topics that you want us to discuss, any snacks that you like that you want us to try, please leave them in the comments, and uh, we'll definitely effort to uh, get those on the show. My name is Sebastian Matt Scott with Doctor Scott Cohen. We will see you next week. Uh
Opinions expressed in this program are not intended as professional medical advice, as a diagnosis, as a treatment protocol, or as a substitute for professional medical advice from your physician. Please consider your own medical history and consult with your own physician for your specific health care and or medical needs and about your concerns for yourself and your family.